0: I'm starting us today at Luke chapter 2, and I'll read three, four verses for our hearing. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And it reads, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And as you're preparing to take your seats, help me introduce the title of today's message. Everyone say, Behold, I bring good news. You may take your seats. Behold, I bring good news. This morning I did what I normally do, which is after I kind of open up and kind of get started, I take my moment of Scripture trying to set my day, and then I go and just check a couple of news stories just to kind of see what is happening in the world. This is my normal process. I kind of get just a little bit, and then I leave it alone, because I know if I stay too long, it might pull me in directions I don't feel like going. However, when I woke up this morning and I went to many of the places that I normally check, these were the headlines. That, shot, that stood out, some of the ones that were at the top of the list. Amid wars and elections, global economy faces raising geopolitic risk. This is on the New York Times. Fentanyl super superlabs in Canada poses new threat for U.S. opioid epidemic. This is Washington Post. Can California really keep the former president off the ballot? I say former president because I just don't say his name, that's my own personal protest. Yeah. San Jose Mercury News. Police are searching for a suspect after a deadly shooting at a Florida mall. This was CNN. Clarence Thomas' next steps will test SCOTUS, new ethics codes, and democracy itself, MSNBC. Rain and snow to impact south and middle of the country, ABC News. I even went to Fox News because I wanted to be honest and anyway, uh, hundreds of employees sick after a holiday party goes wrong, worse than giving birth. Wow. <laughs> NPR had, Hamas attack left, many Israel, uh, Israeli farms abandoned and some worry forever. Finally, I said, let me check ESPN because something has to get better. Parker upsets Wilder to spoil potential Wilder-Joshua bout. I've said it, but today seemed to make it even more prevalent that almost every major news headline was negative, even on Christmas Eve. Most of the major stories that we have Many of the highlights that will come to us as breaking carry bad news. So what does it mean for us to get good news? Now, some of you, you probably are well familiar with the idea that in the constancy of negativity, getting something good seems even better. And some of us know what this feels like, right? Like we can think about getting the good news about a a job offer that you had applied for and you get the position. Getting the good news that the health scare that you had is not what you thought that it was. And that doctors have a way to work it through. Some of you know the good news, you have been working, trying to get pregnant and now there are signs of life forming inside of your belly. Some we know, we know what good news sounds like. In fact there's a, uh, there used to be the adage, no news is good news. That so much bad news is happening sometimes just for it to be a moment of quiet. What ain't nobody saying that I don't go to the mailbox or I don't go and open my email and there's another uh, bill or issue that I have to deal with. I can just not have to worry about that in and of itself is good news. And then sometimes what I love is when things are even worse, when you were at your lowest and there was this expectation that there's a round of layoffs coming around and it's been bouncing by desk and desk, and all of a sudden you find that your job is secure. You had already been planning not to have a job and job, and God held that job for you. Sometimes even that feels even better. The statement cancer free, struggling after therapy and and radiation and medications to finally know that I ain't got to worry about this no more cancer free is something about good news good news about your children And some of us, we can think about that. They get acceptance into the school of their choice or they begin an internship in the direction of the career path that we're excited or it's the child that could never get it all together and finally for this season of life they're making choices and moving in ways that you know will help them ultimately. You can't help but thank God for good news. But as much as I think of good news… I'm often hard to find good news that is good news to all people. If we think about good news, you get a job, that door has been opened for you, I can celebrate with you, but I imagine that presupposes that there are other folks who applied for that same job. That didn't get that job. So your good news is somebody else's potential bad news. And sometimes it it doesn't have to be that everything isn't always competitive so it's not one or that but some of you know sometimes when something positive happens in your life for somebody else who is not having the same positive things that same experience of your good stuff becomes a frustration to them. They want to be happy for you, but since things are going well for you and not for them, them seeing you becomes a frustration to them. So, even your good news ain't there. So, some of you know what that feels like. In fact, sometimes you've been just happy. You, it ain't no good news at all. You just woke up for one day in your life and you just made the choice you were going to be happy and your happiness annoys somebody else. You walk in smiling and as soon as they see you with some level of joy... It is as if you have said something negative. You do not cuss them out just by smiling on your face. And now they endeavor with all of their ability to wipe the smile from your lips. We live in a space, we live in a world where it is, we are hard-pressed to find good news for everybody. We can think about it in our politics, even the holidays that we celebrate, the way that we think of them. Some of this is at the heart of the challenge of America currently, stories that we used to tell there were such good news. Now people from the margins have finally been able to elevate their voices and say, that ain't never been good for us takes us back even to spaces like Frederick Douglass and and those who will lift up. What does it mean to celebrate the 4th of July? How can I celebrate freedom when I ain't never been free? We recognize this. They're replete, all the places where it's hard for us to find good news for everybody. Yet we enter this story and we have a communication about a overall, objective, general, applicable to all of humanity, good news. And I couldn't help but ask the question, what is good news to all people? And in my honesty, I felt like I should have been able to answer that question quickly. I was like, I know this, I got it, and I didn't have it. And I wrestled. I said, no, no okay, I, I know the answer I'm supposed to get to, right? Many of you are Christians and we welcome those that may not. You're checking out the faith, that's fine, you're here too, but I know the answer that I'm supposed to get to. I know I'm supposed to say, Jesus. I know that I'm supposed to say that in anybody's experience, in anybody's world, in anybody's life, Jesus is good news. But there have been times with my own life, me thinking that Jesus was watching, didn't feel like good news. There have been times where I've interacted with other faiths, and they, and their own particular position, might not feel like Jesus is good news. So then, I had to be intentional. I had to sit with the idea of what could actually be good news to all people. This scripture, like so many others, opens up with our themed word for the series, behold. In the Greek, the word is edu. Edu, as I've been talking about uh, in, in the Greek, means look at something. Watch it. Draw your attention. And this story now starts with some shepherds doing their work. But if you permit me, I'm going to take us back a few verses to better help us understand what is, how we got to verses 8 through 11. We've already talked last week about uh, Zechariah and his pronouncement about his son coming. John has now been born, and there is a child or a young lady by the name of Mary who the Lord has now favored and now given the Messiah on the inside. He's given her a child. and, 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 And our story tells us that she was a virgin, so this wasn't just any old type of child, but this was a special child and For whatever the reason, through divine intervention, the man to whom she was slated to marry believed her enough to stay with her. I don't think we talk about enough. How much work had to happen to make a man say, you are not lying to me and telling me that you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Do you know how many people might have gotten through if they were able just to go and say, "This ain't they, baby. I got pregnant by the Holy Spirit." <laughs> but for whatever the reason, through divine intervention, Joseph believes this. They continue, and now it seems as if she's given to him, and they already seem to be by themselves. Chapter 2, verse 1 in Luke opens up that now they are traveling. Typically, there will still be some level of separation until the marriage, but there is belief that what may have happened is Mary's own family may have disowned her. Joseph may be stupid enough to believe your story, (laughs) but you ain't going to tell me this foolishness and stay up in my house. And as Joseph now probably ridiculed himself for believing this, is with Mary, a census is taken and they have to move from their hometown, Nazareth, to Bethlehem. Luke is beautiful in the way that he makes all of these connections. How we get Jesus from Nazareth to Bethlehem is important. Luke is making sure we know that this person connects all the dots of a history that we've been looking for. And as they get back here, apparently so many other people had come back to Bethlehem that there's no room for them. They continually seek out spaces and rooms or inns, and all of them are full. Mary is in full pregnancy. She not like in like second trimester. She in like third. She getting ready to pop. She is, I can barely walk. She is, I got the full waddle. You know what I'm saying? The, it's about to happen waddle. You know what I'm talking about? And now they have to move, not by car or plane, not by comfortable means, but they have to now travel and traverse with a pregnant woman to a place, and there's no place for her to go, no comfortable place for her to put her feet up. Nobody to take them in seeing the precarious nature because it's not like we're in first century, uh, uh, you know, medical health, right? We're talking about a woman that any time this could be the end of her life by catching any type of virus, anything happening, she is open. Scripture says that in the midst of all this, the best place they can find is a manger, is the location where the animals eat, And this is where they go, and now she gives birth. No doctors around, no communication of a midwife. Joseph has to be the only one there. It's gonna be all right, Mary. Just push. I know it hurts, Mary. You can do this. Come on, Mary, don't give up right now. It's so close. You're almost there, Mary. Can you hear her screaming and howling in pain and no place for them to go? Animals looking around trying to see what's happening because they're in their domain. Any type of illness is available because they're not in a sterile place for her to give birth. She's opening herself up in this location and this is where our Savior is born. He's not in a beautiful home. Not in a lofty location, but he's cast out even from the beginning. And I can't help but wrestle with this theological question, even at Jesus' entry, humanity says, we don't have room for you. So how can this be good news? How can it be good news when the one that is slated to fix everything ain't even it? Scripture says that this is what happens and then later that night that all of a sudden while some shepherds are working, guarding their flocks, that they have an encounter. Now, slight background. Shepherd for us takes on a positive connection. Because if you've been around the church for any amount of time, we call God the good shepherd. We think of David as the shepherd boy that moves to kingship. In fact, we have connections with shepherd and king and leadership unlike any other group of people had ever had before. But in his day, shepherds weren't considered a high-value job. They weren't even considered honest people. There were folks that would get mad at them because most of the time a shepherd would have a flock, but they didn't have land. So, they would graze their flock on somebody else's land. And people would be getting frustrated with these dishonest shepherds because now you're bringing your animals onto my land and I haven't agreed that you can do this. But I don't know if you've ever led sheep. Like you can tell them so much to do, but you can't tell them not to eat. So now they're up at night because shepherds not only have to be concerned about will the flock stay together and will they eat? They also have to be concerned that at nighttime is the precarious time for those that want to prey upon their flock. And so they're out watching looking for animals that may be creeping, watching for other shepherds that may be creeping, keeping a guard and looking. And as they are watching and looking over flock, all of a sudden there's a breach in time and space. All of a sudden God punches a hole in the night sky. And an angel enters in to have a conversation with some people that didn't even deserve to be able to hear the message of God. And he tells to these shepherds, I know that you're watching your flock. I know that you're shrouded in darkness, but now a great light has begun to shine. And I got to come and tell you that there is good news. You're watching for the enemy to come, and something shows up, and the angel has to say, don't be scared. Yeah. Yeah. You're already on guard. You're ready to fight. You're ready to pounce, but don't be scared. This ain't that message. Yeah. I come to bring you good news. Edu Evangelion. This is the word that we have for gospel. I come to bring you the gospel and the shepherds are sitting there, like, what are you talking about? This is gonna be joyful for all of human kind. Because today the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord has been born. What is good news? Good news is that God did something that doesn't make any sense. What is the good news? Good news is not just anybody was born. Birth happens all the time, and every time it happens, it's miraculous. But this was miraculous on top of miraculous. Because not just any old body was born this day. On this day, Savior, Messiah, and Lord was born. And maybe that doesn't mean nothing to you, but I feel like it should grab somebody. Scripture says not just anybody was born, but number one, the Savior was born. Everybody say Savior. Savior. For a Savior to be born, this is the expectation of rescue. You are in trouble, and there is one that could come to get you out of your trouble. You are in the deep waters, you are sinking in deep sin. you are messed up from the flow up. You don't know how to get yourself out, but then there is a rescuer on the way. One that can meet you where you are. And although you think you can do it by yourself, you ain't got to do it by yourself because this one is able to do what you can't even do. And I wish I could, I could change the analogy, but every time I think about Savior, I can't help but go back to the movie Matrix. And I remember watching this movie, and, and I, I saw it early. I remember my family took me to the movie theaters. I was all amazed. This was special effects. I mean, he was doing all, it was amazing, right? You watch this movie. And then there's a scene in the movie, Matrix 1, where Lawrence Fishburne, who is Morpheus, yes. believes in Neo. He believes so much in Neo that he goes now and he gets caught and he's being held by the agents. And he believes that Neo can do what Neo don't even believe that Neo can do. But now Neo seeing and knowing that everything is about to be lost, he plugs back into the matrix to go and save Morpheus. As he's doing this, they, they, they go through, they shoot up, I'm, I'm telling you I've never seen this many bullets. It was more bullets in this movie than I've ever seen. They blow up everything. They, they get through everything, and finally they see where they're holding him, but two of the strongest agents are right around him. He sees them, and, and when Morpheus sees that Neo and them on Trinity are there, he gets a burst of energy. He, he wakes up a bit, he snatches some stuff off, and he begins to start running. He starts running for the window because he sees that if he can get to them,
1: then he won't have to worry about the pain and the problem that's behind him. He begins to run, but the agents see him running. They shoot him as he's running. And they recognize that although they're in a helicopter, he's going to jump but ain't going to make it. All of a sudden, Neo, just like our Savior, says, I see that he ain't going to make it. Instead of leaving him where he is, he jumps out and grabs Morpheus, snatches him into the plane, and takes him away to safety. I'm so glad. So we got a God that says, I see
0: you limping along. I see you broken and messed up, and I'm not going to wait for you to make it to me, but I'm going to insert
1: myself into your situation. I'm going to make sure I can be like you, and I'll come and grab you up as you are already
0: falling down. We got a Savior that's been born, saving those that are waiting. Saving those that are all messed up. We got a Savior that's been born that you didn't even know how messed up you
1: were. But we got a Savior that's been born. We got one that's going to fix the stuff you didn't even know was broken. We got a Savior.
0: This is why this is good news. We have a Savior. We have a Messiah. Now, these words are different. In fact, the real word there is Christos where we get the word Christ from. Christ in the Greek is the same word that they go back and translate Meshua or Messiah in the Old Testament. So Messiah and Christ are literally the same words just in different languages. This word means anointed one. Now anointed one is, is important in Hebrew literature because the anointed one was considered the deliverer, the anticipated king. That not only is this one to rescue you from problems, but now to begin to establish new order for you. That you're now not just brought out of Egypt, but you're taken into the promised land. That it's not just getting you out of problem, but it's opening a door to put you in some place far better for you. So now, I release you from your problems, but I also free you to go into some place that's even better for you. We got a Messiah that's been born. We got an anointed one. We have one who has been chosen. When I think about anointing stories, one of the greatest ones that we have is that of David. David's story always blows my mind because he's not anointed once. He's anointed three times. Three times to be able to fulfill what God is going to do through him. First, he's anointed by Samuel when his father didn't think about him. And he was brought in and the oil wouldn't flow till he got there. Next, he's anointed again to take over the the, the tribe of Judah as they're separated from that of Israel. Then he's anointed again when he now reconnects both Judah and Israel and all of Israel says that he is now meant to be our king, that this anointing now shows that this is the one that is meant to put us and line us up and create the order that we need to thrive. And after David died, His ability was so appreciated that without and throughout all of Hebrew history, they were waiting for the one that will return from his line to do what he did to provide space for them to be able to live without worry, concern, and fear. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for the one that could establish it. They were waiting for the one that could make it happen. They were waiting for the one that would make all of their worries and ills go away. They were waiting. Scripture says that not only did he come to rescue them, but the anointed one was born, that Jesus is the one chosen by God to establish the very thing that we need. Savior, Messiah, and then Lord. And this word curios is used very frequently in Greek language. Oftentimes it means master, it means the one that leads or the one that is in authority. It means the one that has power. Right there, are all these places. However, when ascribed as Jesus, it begins to take on even greater significance. It's so important that the writer of John couldn't start at his birth. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God with God. He said, I don't think you understand what this lordship is trying to communicate that all the way back, that, that Jesus is now the manifestation of the very powerful force of God emanating from all of creation, that now this is the infinite being being put into the finite body. We don't, we're missing what God is doing here. This is the Lord of all lords. This is the king of all kings, the very universe waits to hear his voice, that light starts When he speaks and light stops when he speaks, I don't think you're recognizing what's in front of you. That this is so specific that what he has to do is create new physics to allow finite things to hold infinite stuff. In fact, we're still trying to understand it, they call it a particularity. It is a space that is infinitesimally small but has all types of energy locked on the inside and they thought they came up with something when they said big bang but we had a big bang a long time ago it says i don't think you recognize what's happening here this is the lord this is the one that everybody speaks about and the shepherds weren't getting it the angels were talking to them, and they say Let me try to help you understand what you are missing. They blow open a high-definition view of the chorus of angelic hosts in heaven. And as they're standing on earth,
1: they get an idea of what it looks like in heaven. And the angels are swirling and singing, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. He says, you're seeing the little baby. You're thinking this is something small. But I want you to know that all of creation is leaping and jumping. All of creation is worshiping and praising. All of creation is getting excited about the fact that the Creator of all things has now entered the creation to come and be Savior, Messiah. That the Lord,
0: the Lord, the one above all things, the one that sits high and looks down low, that the Lord, the preeminent one, that is Jesus, is now in the human form. And these shepherds look up, and they're blown away by seeing the ancestral choir singing to the glory of this child. They're so blown away. They leave their flock to go see this thing that they have been talking about. And they get there and they find it just as the angel has said. <laughs> and they can't help it, but they begin to worship these, these people who have been lowly, these folks who have been deceitful, all these people that nobody listens to and nobody believes
1: bust into worship because they said, if you saw what I saw, if you witnessed what I witnessed, if you experienced what I experienced, we saw a light shining through the darkness. We we saw a God open up the heavens we we got a message that changed my life and I gotta tell somebody about it they are so blown away that they go to Mary
0: and begin telling Mary about Mary's baby
1: I think you missed it they are so taken aback that they had the audacity to go to a mama and tell mama about her baby. Say mama, I know that you held it. Mama, I know that you felt it. Mama, I know that you did some heavy work, but I don't think you understand how special this child is. We had the angels bust in from heaven. We had the choir singing for us. We were moved and taken up. And we wanna let you know that this ain't just any old baby. This just ain't just any old baby. This is a Savior, Messiah. This is the Lord.
0: They tell Mary this. Scripture says, if you keep reading it two that Mary holds these things in their heart, in her heart. And watch this. You can tell this is amazing because these same shepherds, after they see what they saw, they go back to work, but they go back to work different. They were on guard at work before. They were covered by darkness before. They
1: were decided that they were they were despised and they were thought of as deceitful. But when they get back to work, the scriptures say all they can do is praise God for what they had seen. All they can do is open their mouths and talk about a good God. All they can do is say I can't wait to tell somebody what I found out today. It says. bring you good news
0: and this is what God arrested me says this is why this is good because he's Savior even for those that don't want to be saved he's Messiah even for those that don't think they need to be delivered and he's Lord of all even for those that try to act like they're Lord of themselves that it does
1: not change the immutable fact that he is, that he is, that I am, that I am, came and wrapped himself in flesh and dwelt among us, that he loved us so much that God placed his son for us to brutalize and I ain't gonna run to the cross because this is Christmas morning, but I'm so glad that he knew what he signed up for and came anyway. Christmas,
0: Christmas is about a God that loved us so much that in the midst of our sinfulness, even when we would tell God we ain't got room for him, that we don't want to know that he will still come, still jump at the opportunity to save our lives. This is why we worship again and again. And yes, this does give us a hope for a future, but this gives us joy right now. And I know there might be some problems and some issues, but I wish we could just turn our minds heavenward just for a moment. That if there's any day that we ought to give God praise, it ought to be on the day that we celebrate a gift. If there's any day that we ought to
1: have joy, it ought to be the day that we think about the amazing grace of God. If there's any day that we ought to be able to be thankful, it ought to be
0: when we think about the goodness of God. This is why there's so many songs, and they say all the same thing. From the Negro spiritual to Ain't That Good News, I got a Savior, Ain't That Good News. I got a Savior, Ain't That Good News. We got the songwriter that tells us that Jesus is his name, and they go in, Master, Savior, Jesus, how wonderful is your name, O oh God. Because when I think about who you are, I can't help but be arrested by the goodness that is you over and over again. I think about this great God, that he will come just for us. So this Christmas, as we celebrate as your open gifts or do whatever your plans are tomorrow, I pray that we can take a moment just to to take it all in. And maybe the, the heavens won't be open for us. But maybe we can just imagine just for a moment what it must be like to see the choir singing in full array. Can you imagine the angelic sounds that must have been happening? The mix of gospel and classical jazz, of of European, of of Anglo, of of, of South American, all merging into one, hearing the angelic sound, celebrating a God that came for all people. God, we just want to say thank you that you placed inside of a child all that we would need. There's not a problem that we face not a solution that we can't come up with because you fixed it all. So today, I pray that we can draw our attention back to some good news. And not just good news for you or for those that think like you, but how would we think if we really believed this was good news for all people? Behold. Pray with me. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.